The Angels played four games against the Seattle Mariners this weekend, and John and I have got all the stats and the details, plus we have all of your questions and voicemails, because it's Mailbag Monday. You're Locked On with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can share the pod with your friends by hitting the share button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on YouTube. And you can post it to your personal social media page. This helps others to find the show. And today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you. And you never have to go to the dealership ever again. This is like heaven. So the next time that you buy a car, just grab your phone and go to vroom.com and check out thousands of great cars. Hey, happy Monday. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Locked On Angels, where it's your team every single day. You've got the Frisch Brothers, aka the Super Halo Bros. My name is John, and that's my brother, Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother, John. Mike, no harm, no foul. We split this series with the Mariners two and two, and I think it might have been a series where Maybe Seattle thought they were going to roll over us, especially after the moves that they made at the deadline to, uh, I know he didn't pitch, but Luis Castillo kind of brings some energy to the team. And then of course they had the return of Mitch Hanniger, who wasn't too much of a threat this weekend. However, uh, I was impressed with what we got out of the halos this weekend. I know that there's not a lot to be impressed with, but when it comes to splitting this series, I think that that is a result that is favorable and, and, somewhat unexpected and I even thought that perhaps they could have they had the opportunity to take all four let's be honest yeah they looked really good this weekend and we know that they are a team that's not going anywhere this year and so we have to look for the things to root for so Johnny let's start with Friday and a 4-3 win which was a surprising win because we came out looking really good and Patrick Sandoval specifically mm-hmm. looked really good. He went five and a third. He only gave up three hits and he struck out five. And I like the fact that he had a great start against a great team mm-hmm. and the Mariners are a great team. They are a threat. And the bummer about that Friday night game, Johnny, was it was three nothing in the ninth inning. And then we all remembered, oh, we don't have Rysel Iglesias in the bullpen anymore. <laughs> and so Jesse Chavez comes in, and I did have a thought before any pitch was thrown. I thought, hmm, that's an interesting move yeah. to bring in Jesse Chavez here. And I know that he pitched some key innings in the playoffs with the Braves last year. And so maybe Phil Nevin is thinking that this guy could lock this down for us. And I know that they're still trying to figure out who goes where because Kehata really pitched well in that game and he got runners out. And so maybe he thought that this was going to be an opportunity for, for Chavez to take the closer role, I guess, and then they they blew it. And full disclosure, as soon as that third run crossed the plate, I hit the power button and turned the TV off because <laughs> I knew that my anxiety, my frustration, my heart is going to start racing. But good news is that the M's got Rob Manfred, and we actually won with the Ghost Runner, right? And so Taylor Ward gets a sack fly, and that was great. And I do have one note from Friday, Johnny. Suddenly, we decide to butt. I know. Suddenly, this is something <laughs> that we're starting to do. I saw a ridiculous stat that the Angels had like 18 bunt singles for hits this year. They were second in the league. And I'm like, 
when did that happen? Right. Because I've never seen any of those things because we never bunt when we need to bunt. Yeah. It only took us 75% of the year to figure that out. But hey, I was this. excited to see Sandoval do really, really well on Friday. I know you're you're a, a fan of Sandy. Yeah. And so I was bummed that he couldn't get the win because that would have been his fourth win and he deserved to win that game. Definitely. And uh, it was great that we did come out with the win and it was unfortunate that he didn't get the W and Chavez there was an interesting choice because I know Jimmy Herget is kind of the one who ended up saving the game. And it was like, well, yeah. why didn't you bring him in, in the ninth right. inning rather than Chavez? And, and to me, Chavez, he always felt like an eighth inning, seventh inning kind of guy. So I was surprised sure. to see him yeah. come in, in the closer role, but uh, let's talk about Saturday really fast because we had a double header and both games were winnable. In fact, yes. the first game, the Angels just didn't really have much offense. Mickey Moniak was kind of the only one to uh, generate any offense. He got an RBI single. But Jaime Berea started out really well. Four and two-thirds, three hits, two runs, four walks, three Ks on 76 pitches. The longest outing he's had, but also the first start of the year that he's had. And then Mike Myers, who came back from the minors and worked on some things for the last two months. He was very grateful to be back and he was grateful to the coaches who helped him get right. And we saw that he had been stretched out as a starter in the minors. And so he actually went three and a third. So that was a long outing for him. One hit, two walks and four Ks. Didn't give up any runs. How about that? That was great to see. And it was nice to see him actually be successful because I know he's really, really struggled. Yeah. And they did stretch him out in the minors. He was looking to maybe be a starter. And so I wonder if that's why they stretched him out to have him be a long reliever. And the Angels have really needed that. Yeah. And unfortunately for Jaime Berea, he's only been in games and he's pitched really good, but he's only been in games that the Angels are losing Mopping because up. he's that guy <laughs> that's just trying to eat up innings. And so it was great to see him get a start. And remember, 2019, he he was good. He, was he good had 10 wins. Pitcher, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, he was a starter then. And so, and he's he's still young. I think he's 25, 26. And so he's still young. Yeah. So there's a lot of potential for Jaime. And he's got that platinum hair now. So, I mean, this guy <laughs> is, is solid, let me, right? Let me talk about the second game because uh, one thing that was really fascinating to me is that all three Mariners runs came on the home run on Saturday all throughout the day. All throughout the day. We saw a two-run shot in the first game, and that ended up being the the winning runs there. And that was yeah. a mistake pitch from Jaime Berea. It was a slider that just kind of hung up. And then Detmers gave up one run on a home run, and it was into the into the left field corner almost. And so, just it was encouraging that it was like mistake pitches that got hung up for a home run rather than mm-hmm. a bunch of traffic on the bases and yada, yada, yada. So these guys held it together really well. Detmers went seven innings. And let's look at his uh, last seven starts before this game. He's been 1-1, one and one, a 2.97 ERA, almost 40 innings pitched, 49 Ks, and a 1.09 whip. So he has so good. been such a better pitcher since he came up from AAA and Buddy Carlisle fixed him. Uh, seven innings pitched, <laughs> yeah. six hits, one run, seven Ks. How about that? He's four and three on the year. And then Mickey Moniak, our boy, he's a Moniak. Two home runs, his second with the Angels, and a bunt single. And we thought, hey, this is going to be a great trade for us. This one's actually right. working out. And then We're in that bunt single, <laughs> he fractured his finger. And it doesn't sound like yeah. he's going to miss too much time, but it was unfortunate. And it just goes to show that the Angels are forever cursed. When anything good happens to us, we always just end up 
in the worst situation possible. And then, Mike, yeah. let me talk about David Fletcher. Heck yeah. Him being back is a huge blessing because he hit a two-run home run. He loves hitting home runs in Seattle. And then he had an RBI single. How much did we miss this guy this season? Just him this weekend was evident to why the Angels have struggled offensively yeah. for the last few months is Fletch at the bottom of the lineup or even in the middle of the lineup, or at the top of the lineup, has really been so good. And he just has a way of putting the ball where they're not. He had a hit to right field that was beautiful. He had a hit on Sunday down the the left field line for a double. I mean, this guy's bat is really the key to the Angels being successful offensively. And it makes sense why we were struggling. And it's just it goes back to the same conversation that we've had all year long and that we had last year. Man, if we get everybody in the lineup healthy, mm-hmm. man, this team could do really well. But we haven't been able to do that. And Fletch now, he's got two hips under him, and he's feeling pretty good. <laughs> he's back. He looks incredible, right? Yeah. He looks really yeah. incredible. And then Sunday, it was... It was the reason the Angels scored three runs. He he was the reason. Right. They had three runs, and he had three RBIs, but we did lose that game on Sunday, and we got a look at Tucker Davidson, and it wasn't it wasn't pretty, no, John. His no. his stats were not good. Uh, four innings, six hits, six runs, five walks. Yeah. And so I think there was a lot of hype around him. Well, I think I had a lot of hype around him because he came from the Braves, and maybe perhaps he would be a really great Braves pitcher, but... So far in those four innings, he did not look good at all. It looked like another one of those situations where the Angels have a pitcher in, on their hands like, hey, let's give this guy a try. And it mm-hmm. just feels like the same narrative over and over and over again. I mean, the yeah. guy came into this game with a six-point-something ERA, so I wasn't sure that a change of scenery would be enough. But, I mean, he's still young. At one point, he was ranked number five in the Brave system, so I think that... Uh, for us, that's a plus because our system is not very strong. And yeah. uh, so we'll see what happens with Tucker Davidson. But you know what? This is the kind of uh, weekend where you just try and see what you have. And as Angel fans, even though we took the loss on Sunday, we we got a good look at a pitcher who obviously struggled. And now we know, okay, maybe he's not cut out for this. Maybe he will be cut out for this. They'll figure it out. But I think, like you said, we have to look at the positives. And I think taking two from the Mariners was a positive. And now we go back to Oakland to take on the A's once again. And it's almost the same exact pitching matchups that we had last week before the Mariners series. So that'll be interesting. We'll see Shohei again uh, against the A's. Maybe he can redeem and get himself a win there. But tonight, 630 in Oakland is game one of this series against the A's. Let's get a win. Coming up on Locked On Angels, we're going to open up the mailbag and answer all your Halo questions. But first, Locked On Angels is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond your network to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so that your network can help you find the right people to hire. They have simple tools like screening questions, which make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills for your job and their 
their experience can help you in your business so that you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and possibly hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to and help you find them faster. And did you know that nearly 40 million people visit LinkedIn every single day? So post your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMLB to post your job for free. And remember, terms and conditions do apply. We want to thank you for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. And of course, we want to thank you for getting in our mailbag. We got two segments of your questions, your comments, your thoughts. Consider this a therapy session because we're about to answer <laughs> and good. go through and say, how does that make you feel? But uh, we had people take advantage of our voicemail line. Of course, you can always reach us 24-7-714-409-6396. Mike, let's go to our very first voicemail, Manny from Whittier. Here we go. Hey, guys. Manny here from Whittier. So I have a quick question. Have you guys seen the post about the Phillies broadcast the other day talking about Brandon Marsh and how when he got when he arrived in Philly, the first thing he asked the Indy coach is, what am I doing wrong? And it seems like quickly they figured out what he was doing wrong. Do you think Perry, finally his eyes are a little more open to Jeremy Reed maybe being the problem with all these low batting averages on the team? And all of a sudden, how Brandon Marsh, his first day with the Phillies, he gets a hit, he gets a run. And it seems like so far his swing is doing better. Um, of course, we have to wait to see how that progresses. But why is it that the Phillies hitting coach and, and organization can seemingly get right what the Angels couldn't with Brandon Marsh? And it seems like that was the whole reason they wanted to trade for him because, yeah, they saw that his hitting wasn't that good, but they felt like they could fix him. So why can't the Angels do that? And hopefully, like I said, Perry sees that Jeremy Reed is the problem and not our batters because we know how talented they are. It's just all these coaches, you know, they're not Perry's guys. And maybe next year he could get the right guys in, but it's just, it's, it's, it's unacceptable. He goes to the Phillies and all of a sudden he's, he's going to be better with them now. Like he could have been that for us. So just let me know what you guys think. Um, thank you for uh, taking my question. Uh, have a great day. Bye. Manny from Whittier, thank you for that question. I think that's a question on everybody's mind this weekend because that post was going around about what the Phillies broadcaster said and that Brandon yeah. Marsh got immediate help. He could go to the hitting coach and say, hey, what am I doing wrong? And they said, well, your swing's too long or something like something along those lines. And Mike, yeah. what do you think about this situation with Brandon Marsh getting the help that he needs and then Manny's thoughts about it? Well, Manny, we agree with you. I think that the question we're asking too is how come that doesn't happen with the Halos? And this is something we've talked about often on Locked on Angels. Now, we don't know if Brandon Marsh went to Jeremy Reed and said, what am I doing wrong? We know that he was working on his swing when he was in Anaheim. I find it interesting that the broadcasters know that Brandon Marsh did that. And we're going to talk a bit more about this tomorrow on Locked on Angels. But I do find it interesting that the broadcasters knew that this conversation took place, but we never actually hear that from our broadcasters. And I'm not saying it's our broadcaster's fault. I'm wondering if there is some really clear communication in the Phillies organization that allows the broadcasters to say, hey, fans, 
here's what's going on. And I think that that's the biggest problem, John, is that as fans, we don't know what the heck is going on and we don't know what conversations are happening. And all we see is a batter struggling or a pitcher struggling. And then when they go somewhere else, we hear about how they're getting fixed. And that's so frustrating. And Manny expressed that in the voicemail. Yeah. And I agree with Manny too. I think it is frustrating to see Brandon Marsh find the answers he's looking for. And maybe it's just a matter of a fresh set of eyes on on a batter. But at the end of the day, I think that this doesn't bode well for any of the coaching staff. Obviously, yeah. I think Perry Manassian is going to make some serious sweeping changes in the offseason, and that's going to be important. Now, conversely, I will say, perhaps there are Philly fans looking at Mickey Moniak's weekend since he arrived with <laughs> us and going, what yes. the heck? Why couldn't our hitting yeah. coach fix them? And I think yeah. sometimes that's just baseball, you know? Sure, and, and sure. Not that I'm saying that's that, a great point. <laughs> I, not that I'm saying our hitting coaches had anything to do with Moniak, and maybe they did, yeah. maybe they didn't. Like you said, we have no idea. Uh, because the communication isn't that great, but I, I sometimes I think it's just baseball, and and really yeah. I think the point of this Brandon Marsh trade was to get Logan Ohapi, and and Brandon Marsh was the most tantalizing piece of the puzzle there, and and uh, so that was the one to one swap. Um, I know we didn't trade him for for Mickey Moniak. I know that was the Syndergaard deal, but I think right. it's a similar. Similar frustration, I think, on both sides. <laughs> the fans sides. are like, he bat- he batted a buck thirty with no home runs, and now he's got two with the Angels in like three games. Yeah, Philly fans, we feel your pain. Yes. <laughs> so I think we just root for all parties in this situation. Mike, yes. Uh, yes. El Rubenasso from Instagram said, "How does the organization make sure that the newly acquired players develop to help us win?" Well, when it comes to the minor leagues, where the development should happen and does happen, I think Perry made his first changes there in terms of staff and coaching and analytics and all the things that we've seen him do he hasn't made any at the major league level and we've brought this up before Jeff Fletcher says when you he said on our podcast when you get to the major leagues you are who you are and then the coaches help you from there fix a thing or notice things about you but development wise I think that Perry has already put his regime into the minor league system and, and at the major league levels, we have the same Billy Epler coaches. And I think, yes. honestly, 2023 is a chance for Perry to fully put the team in his style of GM, right? right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, create it in his image, right? Yes, and so thank you. He's not inheriting anybody anymore. And the great thing is, is that it actually removes all excuses moving forward. And this is a part of leadership. We've talked about this, too. Like, you in your third year are really starting to shape the organization that you're leading Mm -hmm. in your image. The first two years, you're finding your way. And so that's where we can give a bit of grace to Perry, even though we don't want to. But (laughs) I think that we need to because year three is coming up. And it's a year where I think that he could really shape this team the way that he wants to shape this team. I think the evidence is Reed Detmers. I think the evidence is uh, Kai Bush. I think it's going down for Detmers to go down to AAA and get fixed by Buddy Carlisle. Uh, Again, that's a minor league thing. But who knows? Carlisle could be up with this team next season and and very much need to. Or he might be better off as a advisor, pitching advisor in the minors because those guys need the development as well. So I I think that the evidence of how well Perry's minor league development is going is that the Trash Pandas had a winning record and and won the first half championship, that kind of thing. Mike, I'll read this one. I'll throw it to you. King Panda one on Twitter said, after Sunday night, it makes me think, what if Perry brings up Buddy as the pitching coach next year? We clearly see that the coaches can affect these guys. Look at Detmers and Rysel now. 
What do you think bringing up Buddy next year and hiring new coaches will be like? And of course, free agents. What you just said is something that they have to heavily consider. Mm. The AAA guy is there to help these guys prepare for the major leagues. Mm -hmm. I think a major league uh, pitching coach is a guy that's helping them to maintain and and continue to tweak and work on things. They're not necessarily teaching them things. Yeah. And so I think Buddy Carlisle, the question you have to ask about Buddy is, is he a teacher or is he a maintainer? Mm. Is he a guy that's going to help them tweak or is he a guy that can go... I, I need you to really fix this and work on this. Mm. And does he really have the time? And does a major league pitching coach have the time? Now, I'm throwing out a bunch of questions that I don't have answers to because yeah, dude, I've never played baseball. Questions right? from you, <laughs> but I do think that they have to hi- they have to heavily consider Buddy based upon yeah. how we've seen Reed Detmers go down and suddenly he comes back up and this guy is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. This guy is fantastic. And he, I think he's the guy that he is always going to be, was always going to be, and will always, always be, because Reed is a really great pitcher, and and I think that they have to consider what Buddy did for him in their hiring process for next year. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How about this one from Lisa Turk on Twitter, at TurbosLady9493. Maybe Perry does listen, because no sooner after Moniak got hurt, they claimed Steven (laughs) Duggar, since he can't trade. How good of a replacement is he? Well, Steven Duggar, a sixth-round pick of the Giants, Five defensive runs saved with the Giants in 72 games in 2019 in the outfield. Uh, So far this season between the Giants and the Rangers, he hasn't played many games. It's a small sample size. He's got a 1,000% fielding percentage. So uh, it sounds like he could be a decent outfielder, but honestly, I think he's just a body in my opinion. What do you think? I agree. Did you see that uh, Reyes was DFA'd with the Guardians? The Franimal, yes. Yes. Franimal Reyes. I mean, this guy is just a couple of years removed from 30 home runs. I think that that's a guy Pick we go up. and get because, I mean, why not? What do like, we have let's to put lose? That bat in- right. And if we and if he ends up being good, maybe perhaps he's in our outfielder. He's an outfielder for us next year. So that might actually be a really great move. Hit some bombs for us, yeah. right? Speaking of hitting bombs, yes. Mariners Trident on Instagram said, did you know that David Fletcher has 14 career home runs? <laughs> Seven against the Mariners? <laughs> Crazy. Yes. <laughs> That's our buddy Cameron. Yes, Cameron, we knew about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cameron's awesome. Cameron, if you guys don't know, follows, uh, he runs Mariners Trident on Instagram. He's been a great friend of ours for the last year and a huge Mariners fan. And when I see the success that they have, it's Mariner fans like that that I'm happy for because Cameron yes. has been a lifelong fan. But yeah, David Fletcher has five at Safeco slash T-Mobile Park too So in his career. So two of those home runs against the Mariners came at home, and then the rest of them have been at Safeco. You know what I like about Cameron from Mariners Trident, Mike, is that he's the type of fan who doesn't punch down on yeah. fans when they're down on their luck. And you know who else is like that is our friend Mello from Around the Diamond, uh, the yes. team at Around the Diamond on Twitter and Instagram. He's a big Dodgers fan. And when he and I have conversations, it's not so much like, oh, the Angels suck again. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's I, I appreciate fans who can celebrate what's good about their team without punching down. And there was this particular uh, Seattle blog that I won't bring up on here, but they were just punching down at the Angels, and then they ate their words because we came back and won the game on Friday. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's something that you and I, and even on Super Halo Bros, like, we'll never punch down at people. Like, we're going to celebrate 
what the Angels have done well at the beginning of the season. That was the big thing. And I know some people like to go back and forth, and I love, I enjoy the the back and forth, especially when it comes to, uh, hey, you're up, and now we're up, and now you're up. And, yeah. Uh, but but I never want to punch down as an Angel fan. Not that we have a lot to punch down about, but even at this point, have, sure. At this point, <laughs> but when we have success, like I never, I want to celebrate what we're doing well, and yeah. and what other teams do well, and even though they're a big rival, I think Mariners, like it's it's cool for longtime Mariner fans to have this kind of success, especially if you've been around in that playoff drought for 21 years. I had to get that in yeah. there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, coming up on Lockdown Angels, we have more voicemails and more of your questions. But first, Lockdown Angels is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including baseball, NFL, which is coming back soon, NBA, NHL, and all sorts of combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today bet online where the game starts let's get into one more voicemail this one is from randy who is known as fast times under the halo he set some Love questions in on instagram but this time he sent us a voicemail which i appreciate here we go hey what's up guys this is randy aka fast times under the halo hey i just wanted to get your guys' take on uh well, with uh, Raphael gone, you know, we're going to need a closer this offseason. I uh, was wondering what you guys thought of maybe going out and get a Edwin Diaz. You know, he's set to be a free agent, you know, this uh, offseason. So I was wondering what you guys thought about that. And also, I was wondering what you guys thought about maybe getting a Dansby Swanson, you know, being our next shortstop. Uh, so that's all I got, guys. I just want to get you guys' take on that. Uh, you're doing a great job. Keep it up, guys, and I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Randy, thanks for the voicemail, man. If And get into Randy's Instagram, at Fast Times Under the Halo. Uh, he's got some great content there. Mike, what do you think about Edwin Diaz as a closer, Dansby Swanson as a shortstop? What are your thoughts? I like the Dansby move. I think that that's a move that we should make uh, first. Yeah. The Edwin Diaz move, I think, is a move that if we look like we're going to be competitive, then I think we get Edwin, which might mean that we don't get Edwin, right? I don't think that that's the (laughs) the top priority for us. I think the top priority is to get a really strong pitcher and perhaps fill that shortstop hole and then get everybody healthy. And then we look at what we want to do in the bullpen. But I think for the bullpen, I think that, that Perry's really excited about who he has in the minor leagues. It might be too soon for Bachman and for Joyce, but I think that Bachman and Joyce are going to be guys that we're going to be really celebrating in in the near future. And maybe perhaps, and we mentioned this before, I think Quejada might actually be somebody that starts out as the closer hmm. in 2023, and then we see how he does, and based on how he does, we we pivot to somebody else or we don't pivot to somebody else because Tapera should be there and Loop should be there, and so maybe it's kind of a closer by committee, and then maybe we make a trade for Diaz or somebody like that. But I don't think he's going to be a top priority or a closer being a top priority for the Angels in the offseason. Yeah, I think that they, we just saw them get rid of all that salary from Rysel Iglesias, and I think Edwin Diaz is going to claim 
a big salary, and I think that might be money spent elsewhere, and I think that getting rid of Rysel was an indication that Perry likes what he has in the minors. Like you said, yeah. Sam Bachman, Ben Joyce, maybe even Chris Rodriguez. I know a lot of people want to see him as a starter. I think the back and shoulder issues are going to hold him back from being a long outing pitcher. I think perhaps he can make for a great closer as well. Uh, yeah. How about, uh, let's jump to Aggie Nikki's response on Instagram. He said, what does a Walsh contract look like? Even my therapist mm. doesn't like the Angels by now. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the Angels again? We already walked through this last week. <laughs> uh, he's going into arbitration this offseason. It's the first year of arbitration, so they will bargain and decide how much he is worth. The Angels will say he's not worth that much. Jared Walsh's team will say he's worth a lot. I think after a season like this, it leans in the Angels' favor in terms of how much money they could have spent and what they will probably end up spending. Arbitration is weird because you basically have to talk yeah. about how much the player didn't do for you uh, right. on the team and then be friends when it's all over. It's uh, right. kind, of, kind of a weird thing. Here's <laughs> yeah. all the things I don't like about you, and then we're good. <laughs> Unfortunately, they have the Angels have a lot of talking points about Walsh this year because he's just really, really struggled. However... It's really just been July where he struggled. I went Fair. back and looked at his stats. He's he's not where he was last year, obviously, but July, he has really fallen off a cliff. And so if he can pick it back up in August, then he could turn this season around and maybe match or get close to the numbers that he put up last year. Definitely. Hey, how about Manny Muscata on Instagram? What are your guys' favorite moments and memories from each one? Marsh, Syndergaard, and Iglesias. Why don't you start with Marsh, Mike? Do you have a favorite memory there? I just love when Marsh came up and he hustled. I, I love his hustle. I yeah. love when he's running around the bases and his his hat flies off, yeah. right? And there was a lot of talk about Marsh. And so when he finally came up, we were actually looking for Joe Adele. And so when Marsh came up and actually stuck with the team and then was a left-handed bat and then just flew around the outfield, mm -hmm. that was exciting. We really weren't able to make too many memories with Marsh around, but I, I think that Future Marsh is going to be a gold glove winner. I think Future Marsh is yeah. going to be somebody who hits 280, 290 for the Phillies. And then Future Marsh is going to be somebody we're going to go, man, we let that guy go. We're, going to, be, we're going to be sad about that. What about you? Uh, Syndergaard's first start for the Halos was against the Astros. We got the win that night, and it was Verlander yeah. versus Syndergaard. And uh, two guys coming back who hadn't pitched in over two year, about two years. And it was great to see Syndergaard uh, help the Angels win that night and so that yep. was and that was against the Astros we needed a big win like that so that was exciting to see and then I think Mike both of us can agree on this one Rysel Iglesias the uh the six outs bases loaded save yep. against the Mar Mariners last season and Absolutely. getting out of that jam that was freaking awesome all right let's go yes. to this next one Ruben Rosas on Twitter he said how different would it have been for the Angels past decade if the Nick Aidenhart and Tyler Skaggs incidents never happened mm. great players with such amazing potential taken away too soon Mike I think I can answer the uh the Nick Aidenhart portion of this Okay. If you want to take the Skaggs portion, if Aiden, sure. I contend that if Aiden Hart hadn't been tragically taken from us, I don't think the Angels trade for Dan Heron. Okay, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't think they make that move. The people involved in that Dan Heron trade, Tyler Skaggs, mm -hmm. Patrick Corbin, 
who I know Patrick Corbin is an albatross of a contract right now, but uh, he had some great years there for a while. And so I don't think the Angels send Patrick Corbin and Tyler Skaggs to the Diamondbacks, which in turn means that they don't send Mark Trumbo to get Hector Santiago and Tyler Skaggs in that three-team deal with the White Sox and the Diamondbacks. So we don't trade back for Tyler Skaggs. So I think we keep Corbin and Skaggs, and those guys are two huge parts of our rotation, especially maybe even in 2014. And yeah. uh, so uh, that's, to me, I think if Nick Hayden, Aidenhart doesn't pass away, I think that we hang on to Skaggs and Corbin. But what what do you think would have happened since 2019, Mike, with Tyler Skaggs if he had still been on this team? We don't go and get Noah Syndergaard, and mm. we have a team leader, perhaps maybe even an ace, not necessarily because he's putting up you know, crazy numbers, but because he is somebody that's influencing this team in a positive way. Because Mm -hmm. remember before he passed away, they went to Texas and they all dressed up in their best cowboy outfits. And it was Tyler Skaggs' idea to do that. And so I think that we see Skaggs as the leader of this rotation. And if he doesn't get traded away because Aiden Hart doesn't tragically pass, then he's a part of this rotation for years Years and and has way more influence than he had for just the short time that he was with the Halos. And I look at both of those names and I go, man, what if, right? Like Aiden Hart could have been this incredible pitcher and Skaggs could have been, and just what if, and it's, it, it, it opens your eyes to, we, we root for these guys and then we boo these guys, right? But they right. are humans mm-hmm. and, and you, you, you think about their families and you think about their stories and, and baseball is just a small portion of that. But when you think about the baseball portion of that, man, what if those two guys were at the, the front of our rotation for yeah. the last 5, 10, maybe even 15 years? What could have been? We probably would have been in the playoffs a whole lot more than we were in the last 8 to 9 years. That's probably true. I wonder if we even go out and use that money on C.J. Wilson. We probably don't. Yeah. I don't yeah. think that we – maybe we don't get him for, for the 2012 wow. season. Uh, wow. With those two there. But uh, last, what if? last <laughs> comment here is from our number one fan, Maddie Nonsense. He's been a yeah. fan since day one, even of Super Halo Bros podcast. He said, we should start – a therapy page. <laughs> I think this Maddie, is it. I think the this answer is our therapy page. <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes, and we're doing that right now. So we appreciate your comments, and we appreciate your help here because we do need some sort of processing after this terrible, horrible, no good, very bad season. <laughs> well, listen, thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day, and I'll make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast with Paul Francis Sullivan. He brings senior passion and his unique perspective on every team and share some of the biggest stories from around the league. You can follow the league's number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On Angels, and of course on Twitter and Instagram at Super Halo Bros. I was memeing like a fiend this past weekend, so make sure you don't miss out <laughs> On any of the, we got to laugh about something. I'm so I'm trying to make our our fans laugh. Heck yeah, uh, to get through the rest of this season, Mike. What do we yep. have on deck for Tuesday's show? You mentioned the fiend. I hope he comes back. To hey, WWE. that's a whole other podcast. All right, hey, tomorrow, <laughs> locked, on locked on Angels. We're gonna talk about Matt Wise and Jeremy Reed, and ask the question: Should they even come close to coming back next season? John and I <laughs> will 
tell you our thoughts and give you our answers tomorrow on Locked On Angels. All right, then. Until tomorrow's episode, my name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow for more Locked On Angels.